listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And gang, I've got a question for you. Who would win? The combined <laughs> might of Orcus and the military-industrial <laughs> complex or some blobby boys? Some little blobby boys. <laughs> God, what a fun story to come out this week. I was so happy about this one. Even though I have a phobia of jellyfish, I'm like, maybe they're not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Australia has decided to spend a lot of money on uh, nuclear submarines, as we love to do. We're like, oh, it seems like shit's getting a bit tense in the world. Better shore up our military in 50. 15- years time (laughs) but pay for it now obviously (laughs) Uh, they're they're sort of trying to shop around where they would build these uh nuclear powered submarines and it's come out that uh brisbane one of the uh candidates for this area uh would not be a great idea because there's a bunch of jellyfish in the sea and (laughs) they would quote inevitably be forced into an emergency reactor shutdown by swarms of jellyfish <laughs> if the fleet was based in Brisbane. Oh, it's just fuck that's so there, funny. There's an article that cites like a, a previous precedent for this. So in 2006, um, there was a US nuclear powered supercarrier, the USS Ronald Reagan, rest in peace, was forced <laughs> into an emergency reactor shutdown in Brisbane after it sucked more than 800 kilograms of jellyfish into its condensers. <laughs> So That's it hindered so the much coolant. jellyfish. It hindered the coolant from reading the main re- reaching the main reactors. So like <laughs> that ship was gonna blow up. <laughs> jellyfish. Oh, I, I genuinely got the heebie-jeebies from that phrase. Eight hundred kilograms. I don't like one jellyfish, much less a, a, a quantity that needs to be measured in sort of in big yeah. That's, so, oh, that's so many jellyfish. You know when you're playing like a video game, like Dead Space, that's set on an old like nuclear carrier and you get to the, the reactor room and you're like, oh, there's an ammo case outside, there's a save point, you know, some shit's going to go down. And you open the reactor room and there's 800 kilos of jellyfish. It just looks like the elevators in The Shining, but instead of blood, it's just jellyfish. Oh, sorry, McLean. Oh, man, I've got... <laughs> I got goosebumps. <laughs> Lisa Ann Gershwin, a leading marine biologist, has this quote emergency shutdowns of power plants happen all the time, very frequently. There aren't many things a scientist that I would say are inevitable, but this is. I can't tell you what day or time it would happen, but I can tell you it would happen. <laughs> that is more definitive than the science has been on climate change for two decades. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I grew, I grew up there. I grew up around this area. I have gone swimming mm. in essentially like these waters um, over the last. <laughs> Why? <laughs> no, this is the thing. I like you will go there sometimes, especially in the warmer months, and like you know they'll put up signs. It's like you know they're very poisonous, horrible jellyfish. Don't go swimming. Blah blah blah. Like the blue. Um, what are they fucking called? The the ones Box that like, jellyfish. Blue Box bottles. Jelly. The, Little, oh, yeah, little. They look like little like inflated condoms with these like kilometer yeah, blue long blue trails. They're fucked. Yeah, but other times you'll go swimming and they're not those types of horrible, dangerous ones. Mm. It's just you well like. It's Big like something out of a sci-fi movie. You're just floating around <laughs> these like orbs, and it's kind of like it's 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 weird. It's upsetting, but it's also like calming and soothing just to have these fucking <laughs> idiots blobbing around you. Like that is that is in some ways peak evolution. They're not worried about shit. They are purely vibing yeah. as this idiot comes in and has thoughts about whether it's good or bad, worrying or not. Nah, man, just blob along. Just blob yeah. along and shut down some nuclear-powered submarine. <laughs> just, <they> just blob <laughs> along. <laughs> it's you going back to the primordial soup and just like, yes! <laughs> I'm yeah. here yes. with my people. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Did you guys know that jellyfish aren't actually single organisms? A jellyfish is like uh, a just a whole ton of, of, of little mini organisms that work together. They're called colonial organisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're siphonophores. <laughs> they're just, yeah, they're, they're little... Little blobs of th- th- individually alive cells that oh fuck I hate these things. Shut just- up, we're talking about jellyfish now. <laughs> you guys ever drink like boba tea? Uh, you get the big straw and you put it in the in the cup and you like oh, fuck dum, 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 dum. it's all like the little little jelly things. So that's the experience of being an aircraft carrier parked <laughs> off Brisbane. <laughs> I just like 
that thought that the USS Ronald Reagan, before being almost shut down, was also like, oh, I don't know if I like this. This is is a weird new experience. And it wasn't expecting the jelly balls. (laughs) But I love the fact that they're like, well, we can't build the subs in Brisbane because there's too many jellyfish. But it's also like... That means you can't, like, drive the subs north of Sydney mm-hmm. kind of thing. <laughs> like, what's the plan with this? Are you going to also have a fleet of diesel subs no, at the top end That's the plan. Australia? Are we protecting ourselves from Antarctica here? <laughs> we don't know what they're up to down there, Lang. <laughs> could be building anything. No, no, I, I just think that's the plan. Like, anything north of Sydney is like, fucking good luck. But as soon as it gets to our fucking TV and journalist hub, it's like, no, 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 nuclear subs. <laughs> cannot have this. I think it's just like... The, the, uh, this is sort of the, 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 the strategy that directs the entire Australian military, right? Which is, excuse me, General, this seems like a fucking stupid idea. And the General goes, let's do it anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure it's the Generals. From what I see from the Australian military Generals, they're always like, yeah, no, this is a fucking stupid idea. And Scott Morris is like, but we're friends with America. <laughs> <laughs> they said they'd give us things. It's going to cost a lot of money. They don't actually give it. They're not. We're not going to get any submarines, guys. They're talking about a hypothetical trolley problem here. That's never going to happen. Fuck. I do really like the idea that the Australian generals most days are just signed to themselves like a coup is so unbecoming at the moment. We can't do that. <laughs> Fine. We'll listen to what Scott Morrison has to say. It's like, How about you go down and help in Lismore? Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to sort of suggest that the Australian generals are like the sensible, you know, the the the, the sensible yeah, voice of reason. Fair. Like these are people who have been in the Australian military for decades, mm. right? Yeah. Like these are, these are people who have gone through the entire sort of Afghanistan conflict, being like, we're still good people, though. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I should still yeah. have a say on anything. Oh man, right. it keeps coming out that there's a real culture of brutalism in the Australian military. There's just something deeply wrong with every single member of the armed forces all the way to the top. Well, I should still be alive. Like, I'm worthwhile. Couldn't be more wrong, Australian generals. Couldn't be more wrong. Yeah, I hope you all inhale jellyfish. <laughs> I was thinking about, yeah, inhaling jellyfish just being the new, like, I in Minecraft. Just sort of like, I'll oh, just go, dr- go drink some jellyfish. <laughs> go swimming in Queensland. <sighs> ah, all right, let's move on from a clean sack. <laughs> Australian generals aren't even single organisms. <laughs> just a bunch of kids in a jacket with a lot of badges on it. <laughs> I was, was going to say they're just they're a collection of sins held together with oh. ego. <laughs> Ooh. Someone's been playing Elden Ring. <laughs> oh fuck, I have to. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> Pork barreling, you know it, you love it. We've all been hearing about it for the entire length of this podcast. Um, <laughs> the federal government can't and the seem 30 to years f- leading into <laughs> <laughs> The fucking federal government can't seem to stop itself from divvying out money to people that deserve it or not just based on who they may or may not vote for in the future. We've talked about uh, carport rorts, sports rorts, all this shit that in, you know, more normal times was egregious because it was the using public funds egregiously to try and get votes. Hey, you're my mate. You need some help. I'm going to make you look like a good local member by giving you some cash. Cool. Then fucking once in a century floods hit Northern Rivers, New South Wales, and everyone in the area was up shit creek, and they just went, hey, can we have some fucking money to help with the fucking crisis that's currently taking place. And the federal government went, sure, okay, a thousand bucks? Is that good enough? Uh, and people yeah. went, fucking, that's really not that much. Hey, cunt, that's fucking not helping at they all. They went, 2,000 bucks. <laughs> we can't just give you a bunch of money. We only have $5 billion in our disaster relief fund. So when it came out that that wasn't enough, the federal government went, all right, let's boost it for places like Richmond Valley, Lismore, and Clarence Valley, which are in the electorate of Page. So they have mm-hmm. their boosts, they, they had their payments boosted up to nearly four grand in some instances, and so like 1,000. So, you know, that that is more, is what I'll say about mm. that. However, 
In places that were affected in the exact same fucking way, like my hometowns of Ballina and Byron Bay and Tweed, they're in the electorate of Richmond, and they were deemed ineligible for that boosted payment, despite the fact that they have been fucking sunken, essentially. (laughs) They've been hit just as fucking hard. But would it surprise anyone to know that Page is a Liberal national seat held by Nationals MP Kevin Hogan since 2013, and Richmond, meanwhile, is held by Justine Elliott, who's from Labor? What a fucking shock. If you wanted some rot money, you should have voted for the corrupt party. <laughs> that's just... literally their election promise. Yeah. Right? That's, that's, uh, this, 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 I mean, we're sort of in this area now where, where we're like, it's not even really defamatory to say that bloody Kevin Hogan's pork barreling flood relief to his own electorate because the official stance of the entire Liberal Party is, yeah, we do pork barreling and there's nothing wrong with it. It's not illegal. <laughs> yeah, and we direct everything purely based on electorates. Like, Dutton's fundraiser is specifically only for Dixon. It's based on you. if you are yeah. in Dixon, then you can apply for this help, but you have to go through 10 layers of means testing to do so. <laughs> it's just, I think it is... You know what's really what the first thought that occurred to me when we were just talking about this, uh, which is really funny to me um, as a lapsed Catholic. I was like, <laughs> "This you is can very judge for yourself, listener. Uh, th- this is a very unChristian thing." <laughs> I don't know why that, that was the first thought that occurred to me, but I was just like, "You only help." what benefits you in the end, but you're not helping the entire, like, the benefit of the community. Well, what the fuck is I'm gonna, that? I'm going to put it out here and say that maybe the the Liberal National Party doesn't walk with God. <laughs> I, I was going to suggest that God sending people that voted for him to heaven and people who didn't to hell is the ultimate pork barreling. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, it's seriously, like, it's just, it. it's, like, aside from being, like, physically and metaphorically evil just to like only think about it in terms of you know electoral capacity um but yeah just just the idea that you would only think about it in those terms is just so unfathomable to me well something i just want to loop back on is mclean what you said about it's it's you know the the liberal party's like campaign promise is essentially to fund you only if you vote for us hmm. i honestly think at this point if any more of these like wrought things would come out ex rort i think it would just sort of help them in a weird way because at this point i mm. think most voters have gone fuck they are going to dangle money over our head and 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 not just fund areas that vote liberal national but withhold essential money for mm. people that don't vote it's for holding them. people to ransom so i'm yeah so i'm fucked if i don't and so i know how they work so if I want my area protected, I guess I have to vote liberal because at the moment the the other the other party is sort of going, "Oh, we wouldn't do that. We would spread money thinly across everyone else." So all it takes is the liberal party to go, "Hey, there's not much money to go around, so we we're, we're going to target it." If you're an opposition party going, "No, we'll give everyone everything." That like I think at least subconsciously oh, no. for a lot of people that will be yeah. like oh well that's not that's not going to be as good I've got to look after me and my own so yeah just like the fucking mafia the liberal I've said this for years the liberal party <laughs> are a fucking it's a criminal organization it runs yeah. along the exact same fucking lines just they put it on their fucking billboards next time they'll be like vote for the corrupt party and the corruption will go to you <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice electorate be a shame if something happened to it. <laughs> But speaking of all of the different funding not going to areas, there was this other story that came out uh, saying that crowdfunding campaigns have rivaled traditional charities in how much they've raised. Um, It was slightly out of date when this report first came out a few days ago. We're recording on Sunday, the 13th, as happens. But on Friday, it was reported that GoFundMe raised about $12.5 million in donations for flood-affected people and areas. Meanwhile, Vinnie's and the Red Cross had only raised a combined about $4 million all up. Uh, oh, wow. Last night, though, there was a huge uh, concert, like the Australian Red Cross Flood Appeal. And that, at the time of recording, is sitting at about $17 million, But those lines are going to stay open. That'll probably get a bit, a bit higher. Um, huh. And so, like... The, the the crowdfunding, GoFundMe, 
has had more money filter through it and go to people that are, uh, that need it so much more than these established huge charities. Mm. Um, one thing I do want to give context for is that amount of money. So we said, you know, 17 million plus 4 million from the established charities, nearly 13 million from GoFundMe. Um, the, 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 the carport rort that we were talking about, that scheme where they would build car parks, wink. When the government would build car parks. Yeah, sorry, when, when governments <laughs> would build car not charities. <laughs> That's a grim yeah, state of affairs. Red Cross building car parks. Yeah, we're five <laughs> years or so away from that. Um, but that, <laughs> that rort was about 389 million dollars yeah for f- the the thing that got me i was i before we recorded i went and looked for like not big flashy like oh they're spending 28 billion dollars on a submarine door or whatever but like just to contextualize the money the national school chaplaincy program if you remember that from the fucking you know a decade ago when that was a big deal that still to this day receives about 61 million dollars a year mm. 61 mm. million dollars a year Whereas the the charities are raising maybe twenty million for an area that the cleanup in Lismore alone is looking to be about a hundred million dollars, and I want to make this point not to say that the federal government should take money from X and put it into Y. It's to say that the federal budget isn't real. Money's yeah. not mm. real like that. They could just fucking fund this. It is a choice to not. There is no worry about, oh, the coffers are running dry and I've only got this big lump sum of money. Doesn't work yeah. like that. It just drives me crazy because this is something like since time immemorial or rather the start of this podcast, we keep on talking about how the federal budget, they keep on acting like it's a bank account when that is not real. If we go into debt, that is a good thing because that means we've spent money on things that actually matter to a community. And that includes natural disasters or emergency situations where people need to be helped. The money is not – it doesn't matter. You can give as much as you want to. The fact that you're choosing not to is a specific decision. It's also worth considering how much money it costs to not immediately recover the towns that have been devastated by the floods. Yes. That's also expensive. Like currently you've got an entire big old chunk of the country with an economy of effectively zero or even an economy of negative because it is having to suck resources just to keep people alive by trucking in food and stuff. Um, If you don't help those people rebuild their lives, if you don't help that town rebuild and clean out and everybody, like, not get cholera, um, which I guess is something that can happen when you've got floods like this. Um, Yeah. If you don't help them rebuild, it's going to cost you more money than helping them rebuild. It's basic shit. This is why we have a government. Um, And this is why the government could click their fingers at any moment. And throw money into starting to solve things. They, when they don't solve things like this, like climate change, it's because they choose not to. And there's a really interesting story I read that I've kind of got this thing I'm thinking about with this, that this whole flood thing has, has brought up for me, which is there's a story of the people in the Ballina Hospital. Ballina? Ballina? Ballina. Okay. Ballina and I'll fight you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's a story about the people in the Ballina Hospital um, that have had to basically move a whole hospital. It's It's a small hospital, as hospitals go, but it had 55 patients and floodwaters rising or into the hospital, they had to move everyone and everything important in this hospital to a second location um, into a local high school. Um, and they were doing this without, you know, all the shit you'd normally want when you're moving a hospital, i.e. plenty of time, roads, uh, vehicles, <laughs> the internet. <laughs> and they fucking did it and they nailed it with three hours prep time. And this article, which I actually recommend reading, is interesting because the way it's framed is everybody being like, oh, huh, we just did that and actually we nailed it. We had three hours lead time, all the people in this hospital, the local community just went, yeah, okay, let's move this hospital. Boats, cars appeared from everywhere. There were nurses, like, pointing at things, giving orders. Everyone's medical history was written on bits of paper and friggin' clothes pegged to inflatable lilos or whatever they had. Inflatable mattresses with IV poles and stands and bits of A4 paper. Running shit from batteries. No computers. No internet. They moved it. It went fine. They bloody nailed it. They went, oh, turns (laughs) out 
um, we can just do things really, really effectively with zero budget and everyone pitching in. And you probably have heard a lot of stories of like, oh, you know, when floodwaters are rising and you've got all these people on like little islands and just everyone's like, oh, I've got a barbecue in the back of my ute. Oh, who needs water? Let's all band together in communities and help mm. each other out. I'll get in my tinny. I'll go rescue some people. A couple of days later, the ADF come in with their gajillion dolls with helicopters and goes, oh, I guess you guys have already got it covered, eh? Ugh. All right, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> to be specific, God. nine days later, and then what they mostly do is stand around looking really good for photo ops. But, you know. <laughs> fucking hell. Being like, here's your taxpayer money. Because nine days after a 14-metre flood surge, you're either dead or you're not, basically. Yeah. There's like just it's this weird big thing of communities are something we've been told to forget about. You talked last week, Mitch, about community radios disappearing. And yeah, community newspapers and things like that. Yeah, community media. We no longer have like local systems because everything gets combined into these big bureaucratic systems. And I guarantee if this hospital movement was organised by someone in Sydney, which they normally probably are, it would have taken fucking weeks and cost millions. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it still will cost millions because they haven't moved most of the stuff in the hospital. <laughs> but, I mean, I yeah, would... They still have to rebuild the hospital. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be expensive. But yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they had to break some laws or... Like yeah. procedures to actually get this done too. I reckon someone at some point went, no, I'm not contacting my higher up. I'm fucking doing it because we yeah. are like, I don't want to get all, you know, libertarian red tape cutting, but like we're bloated at the moment with some mm. of this shit. Like communities can look after each other. Uh, in I actually, ways that, yeah, we are told to fucking worry about it. Actually, Mitch, you bring up a good point because I was just thinking while we were just like sort of describing this situation, it's funny you mentioned the libertarian thinking because the thing which comes with like libertarian and neoliberal thinking, it's all very focused on the self and very individual Mm. and, you know, it's your responsibility to make your own way in the world and that kind of thinking naturally and organically leads to the atomization of communities as they live and thinking, well, you don't need to have like these little granular things. That's very quaint and very twee. You should be cut like, you know, you should consider yourself an individual in a larger homogenous sort of like larger group of people and communities shouldn't really exist in that way. But when it comes to the crunch, community Mm. is all we have left. Community is Mm. the only thing that can help you in your situation and it will only take a disaster or a crisis situation for people like libertarians to realize that. But, uh, you know, that encourages such a lack of empathy that I, like, I don't even think that those people realize that. Those people mm. think that those situations will never come to their doorstep. It will well, only be when it comes to their doorstep that they'll realize, oh, shit, I don't have any of this community. What? How, who is going to come to save me? Nobody. Nobody's coming yep. to save you. I don't need to worry about a flood. I've got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's coming to save you. I just want to talk talk briefly a little bit about that just because I'm in my own personal experience. And I mean, this is it's a little bit shameful, but it does have a good ending. But when you're talking about the atomization of people and then requiring a tragedy for it to, you know, bring home an issue. I think we all sort of feel these days that, you know, like our neighbours aren't our business. I'm fucking, Mm. you know, I don't know who they are. I've lived in different share houses. I rent and all this sort of stuff. We move around a lot. I don't know who my fucking neighbours are. I don't give a shit. And in the last month, um, my partner and I have had essentially like two very different bad events happen to both of our neighbours either side of us. And actually now I think about it, fuck, uh, about six months ago across the road as well. And... All three of these times, we have sort of struggled with reaching out mm. because we've gone, oh, is that is that too much? Is that what are we? Mm, are we are we prying? Are we being nosy? Are we mm. just you know? Are we doing this for our own ego? Blah blah blah. We've been socialized not to be in a community. Every single time we have reached out to our neighbors, they've been grateful. Mm. They have become humans. And we now have better relationships and we have offered genuine help to them and they have taken us up on it because Mm -hmm. people do just want to be helped and people like feeling supported in their neighbourhood. The fucking 
the the fucking elderly Italian couple next to us, when we you know just offered help to them, were so grateful, even though it was resolved, that they gave us some of the most delicious tomatoes I've ever had in my fucking life. <laughs> like there are small scale, tiny little benefits to this shit, and it's not tomatoes. It's like this feeling of connection to other people <laughs> is yeah. really fucking important. And we're just told by every every sector at all times. Don't. Don't worry about it. Look after yourself. Castle Mitch is where it's at. And it's a fucking tragedy. Yeah. And also fostering distrust in our neighbours too. Hmm. Like I really think yeah. that is a large part of it. Like a lot of like the the sort of, you know, derogatory th- sort of things that get aimed at millennials is that like, you know, that they don't trust. Like, you know, if they're, if they're renters, that they're like, hmm. you know, disreputable and they don't want community. We do. Oh, my God. We've just been prevented from it. <laughs> I want yeah. to put my roots down somewhere. I want nothing more in the place that I live to know my neighbours and to feel mm. like I am part of something that is that we're all in it together. Like, that actually really matters so much to me. It makes me so happy when I recognise people around when I walk around the street. You know, I've lived in the mm. same place for nearly five years now and it makes me happy to recognise people on the street and to, like, know yeah. people who live nearby. That's a good thing. I think I think you guys, yeah, you sort of underegged it a little bit at the start there. It's not that humans need community in a crisis and it's not that communities are helpful or that they have many benefits. It's that communities are vital to human existence at a fundamental yeah. level. It's yeah, like you a fundamental seen, good. You ever see, not even I, a fundamental good, I'm talking Maslow's hierarchy of needs stuff. You ever see a sheep by itself in someone's backyard or a caged cockatoo and you think that is really sad because that is directly against the nature of that animal and that animal can never be happy in that situation because a sheep is not happy unless it's in a herd. A cockatoo is not happy unless it can fly. <laughs> All right, Jordan Peterson. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Humans are not happy unless we are in a community. You... I'm, I'm speaking humans broadly. Sure, there are variations. Some humans maybe are happy by themselves, but they are in the minority because humans are a social animal. We are a herd animal. We're like a little bunch of monkeys or meerkats or some shit. But I think <laughs> we can we can push it to limits we didn't really think we could. Yeah, it turns yeah absolutely. Out we can survive, however miserably, mm-hmm. by barely being in touch with our community because we have fake communities and we have, you know, fucking McLean, you posted a little while ago, you bought a blender and it was like, welcome to team brand name. And I was like, fuck <laughs> off. No, I'm not part of uh, this isn't a real community. And you can break an animal so that it will fly back to its cage. You can teach a cat to only be inside forever and and chase laser pointers and stuff. But you got to fucking so work good. hard to keep that cat functional. And this is a cat uh, that I'm you bred. I'm not sure that's necessarily true of cats. <laughs> They're not a particularly social animal. They're apparently. not social. No, I'm not talking about socialization. I'm talking about being outside hunting things. Cats have oh, different sure. needs from humans. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> we've forced animals and we've bred them so that they will tolerate these existences. And humans haven't been bred to tolerate these existences, but we have been socialized into it. But mm. if you find yourself in a situation where you have no community, there is something missing. Yeah. Um, and that is the source of... So- We're getting really weirdly big in this. Oh, yeah, I was about to say, uh, Liz, more floods. <laughs> Back to the floods. <laughs> Back to the floods. When you find a community or you find yourself in a situation of community... Because we've spent so much of our existence being denied that community um, in this atomized society because people atomize. If your old lady next door to you is giving you tomatoes for free, Mitch, you're not going to go and buy tomatoes. You can't sell people stuff when they live in a community because in, in a functioning community, you need one lawnmower for the whole fucking street. Yeah. You don't need everyone yeah. to have their own lawnmower because there's only so much lawn to mow. Mm. When you find yourself in a community, people go, oh, actually, this works quite well. Why weren't we doing this all along? And then they go, no, no, shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> no, 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 no. Back to the office. Turns out we've got these people here who are earning millions and millions of dollars who are apparently the experts at flood recovery who are doing a worse job than locals which l- with literally... Almost zero experience or budget or equipment. So that's an interesting thing as well. I I do want to get into the ADF response in the area, the charity response, all the rest of that sort of shit. But one thing that I think is interesting, and I mean, this is 
mostly anecdotal, but I have read a bunch of other anecdotal reports about this. But I was in Brisbane during the 2011 floods. They were massive. They they sunk houses in my area. I was lucky enough to get north to stay with my girlfriend at the time for a while. And we went and volunteered. And near mm. her, there was this, um, I don't know what you call them, but you know those places that just sell mounds of sand and gravel? And like <laughs> trucks just, ba- it's just an industrial estate, sure. but it's just fucking tons and tons of sand for God knows what purpose. I'm mm. not a manly man. But <laughs> they, opened, they opened it up and they were like, Free, free sacks, free sand, mm. take what you need to sandbag the flood. And they just, we were, as volunteers, I was just shoveling sand for fucking 12 hours a day for uh, two days. And then like the fucking local Domino's brought pizza for lunches mm-hmm. and the local grocer oh. brought fruit and stuff. Yeah, it was rad. Um, but so all of these things were happening where even the chains, the managers of these chains were going fucking, I don't know, have some, you know, free food. I'll explain it to my higher ups later. Yeah. But- Two days later, the official response kicked in. Finally, they mobilized everything. And my girlfriend and I and thousands of people all went to the Brisbane Entertainment Center, got on buses, and were shipped to areas to help people like clean up the flooding and stuff. Within two days of this like event happening. And it was so well organized that like I think it was about a year and a half later, after I'd moved house, they still managed to find who I was and send me a letter of recognition saying thank you for helping during the official cleanup of the Brisbane floods. Compare and contrast that to the response in Lismore at the moment where people are going, fuck me dead, you people are making it worse. Why are you here? Why why is this person not getting their fucking insulin? Why is this entire suburb not being helped whatsoever? Why do we have no communication from the higher-ups about what we should be doing? And it just does seem like over the last 10 years that these structures have started to fucking decay. Now, I'm not saying it's directly because the Liberal Party have been in power that entire time and Mm. they are all corrupt criminal organisations and they are corrupting these structures, but I'm certainly implying it as heavily as I can without defamation. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it certainly doesn't help. (laughs) (laughs) What we can say is that it wasn't good. (laughs) Uh, You know, say what you will about the rots. They've somehow made things better. No, they haven't. They haven't. They made everything worse. Um, I wonder if there's a difference there between that happening in Brisbane versus happening in a small town because all the bureaucrats are based in Brisbane and they understand the situation. Well, apparently not according to Brisbane this last week. Like, it's still like they've been helped more than Lismore and Byron and stuff, but they haven't been helped well at all. And like... I mean, this is this is something not to step on your point, sorry, Lang, but That's this okay. is something that you've said through the week is that like the bureaucrats that we have in mm. Western societies less and less every fucking year have less and less connection to what's needed on the ground. Mm. You have mm. lifetime bureaucrats. McLean, when you mentioned the generals in the ADF saying about oh, they've gone through the military structure. A lot of them have started from different in different areas of the military and gone up to generals. Like mm. there's very like the structures don't necessarily need you to start at the fucking very bottom on the ground with p- proper experience in what's needed and work your way up. You can just be like, oh, I'm actually really. I I spend a lot of time at a bank fiddling with spreadsheets and yeah. shit. So I reckon I can help in a like disaster management situation. You're not stepping on my point, Mitch. That's absolutely my point. Well, I just I just. I'd made it for you. No, no. So I, wanted to ma- I wanted to make make sure everyone knew it was your fucking point. No, I'm no, not no. having all. Of <laughs> no, it's the community's point, Mitch. <laughs> it was not good enough point, actually. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh- Our point. Um, I did the Bugs Bunny arms. Um, <laughs> this is this is actually something that happens a lot, and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna haul in some some workers' socialism at this point. Hell yeah! Because if If you you are a comrade uh, working on the floor of a a hospitality joint or a retail joint or an office or fucking honestly anywhere where you actually do the work and keep things running, you're probably familiar with the experience of the fact that your business is kept running by the workers. Um, And I'm going to use the the example of Starbucks here because I was reading a little bit about the Starbucks unionization movement in America. Shout out, but it's not our jurisdiction. Um, <laughs> of like a qualified the, shout out. There. Yeah, <laughs> managers bringing in like union busters and stuff, and trying to threaten the workers with things like, "Oh, but if you unionize, uh, the managers won't be able to help you run the store as much." And the baristas being like, 
but you don't. Like this store could <laughs> run itself with a without a manager. If your manager is off sick, th- the shop runs. Like nothing yeah. changes. <laughs> but if if your barista organize another manager to cover a shift. <laughs> yeah, you're never like, oh, yeah. we need a manager. <laughs> but if your barista is off sick, fucking it's a scramble. The shop shuts down until you can find a fill-in barista. Um and it's the same with a hospital. Like, if you lose nurses or doctors or cleaners or anyone on the floor, the place shuts down. Um, if you lose your uh, accountant team, look, it's a problem. It probably grinds to a halt slowly. They're still doing important stuff. If you lose your CEO of the hospital, you probably wouldn't notice for a month. Um, I don't know how a hospital works. I'm probably getting really outside my <laughs> yeah, area. Yeah, see you. Yeah. Okay. Good. Probably same with the university. It's. I will. Oh, say right even now, worse at the university. Yeah. I will <laughs> yeah. say, as someone who has both studied all the way through at a university and worked at a university as a fucking you know tutor lecturer, for the bureaucrats there do nothing but get in the way. A hundred percent. Like everything would work so much better. Even even down to. The professors that try to schedule their classes, if they didn't have the bureaucrats breathing down their neck going like, uh, how about you combine that into a 60-person classroom? What about mm. that? We could cut down prices there. Like, it would work <laughs> much better. It's classic middle management, which doesn't have, like, any actual on-the-ground experience, but they're just senior mm. enough to see it as a point where they could cut costs but don't realise <laughs> the actual <laughs> impact it has. It's like, fuck up. They're, they're just so that the board doesn't have to talk to the workers. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's that meme of the soldier on his knees and the kid in bed. <laughs> middle management and the knives are workers yeah. and the little baby's the CEO. Useful, and the knives are, are labelled useful suggestions. <laughs> Necessary criticism. Um, remember when Boeing 737s were falling out of the sky because they built them badly? Uh, yeah. Um, so Boeing used to be run by engineers who worked their way up. And then they brought in a whole bunch of business consultants to run the place who'd never touched an aeroplane part in their lives. And they cut costs and they cut costs. And now we've got situations like this happening. Um, I forgot my initial point. I've just got into socialism. Um, (laughs) But yeah, you, you, you said it near the start. You've got business management people coming in trying to run a world they don't understand and have never been a part of. Oh, yes. And at a larger scale, the fucking prime minister and the government. (laughs) are all people who were born and raised largely into positions of extreme privilege and power. Uh, they went to law school. They joined the long, young liberals. At some point, it, it, a little bit of the real world came close to them and they rolled up the windows. Um, <laughs> and now they run the country. He's walking around with a clean white shirt and nice shoes in a flood response being like, maybe I should wear a mask because these people look poor. he's already forgotten about covid um yeah the other little story that you probably would have seen is that uh scott morrison like quote unquote visited flood areas but he did so by avoiding literally everyone that had anything negative to say to him or about him and also told the media where he'd be i don't want to be bringing in those bad vibes (laughs) prime minister i gotta keep my i gotta keep my heart happy otherwise i'm a bad leader he also told the media where he was not where he would be he did that because he didn't want you know uh, people to think that it was all just about you know, media and, mm. and appearances and stuff. He wanted to have, you know, heart-to-heart conversations with people his team had already found out beforehand are sympathetic mm. to the Prime Minister. He didn't <laughs> want to make it a media thing. Um, no. He did, though, luckily, he, his personal photographer just was also in Lismore at the time. So mm. we got to see a whole bunch of these fucked photos of him, like, standing with his hands on his hips or in his pockets, in a, like, just de- demolished warehouse with goods all over the place, looking into the middle distance with the most bird-brained, empty expression on his fucking face. He has no idea what he's looking at or where he is. He's just like, oh, this looks noble. This is a good fucking shot. Is the lighting right? Yeah, just to, to bring the body language analytics expert into the, 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 the chat. The one of him mopping the basketball oh, oh, that's clearly oh, already oh clean. God. I don't want my visit to bloody, you know, the, the flood zones to be a, a photo op, but this photo... he's definitely not doing work and he's got this expression on his face looking off camera like look at me i'm doing mopping i'm a prime minister but i'm holding him up that basketball court looked like it was in sydney 
Like, <laughs> and before it started flooding. That, that's actually one thing, unfortunately, the drips are right about. Um, and for our international listeners who don't know what I'm fuck I'm talking about when I'm talking about a drip. Um, uh, when I refer to a drip, I'm referring, of course, to the uncritical uh, fans on social media of the Labor Party who like seem mm. to focus a lot of their energies on like Scott Morrison specifically mm. and how incompetent he mm. is. And it's like... Well, he is, but a lot of their sort of fanaticism comes from, like, um, conspiracy theories. But it is, like, the truest thing is that he definitely is, like, a marketing guy through and through. But he thinks exclusively in the way that of, like, the optics of what he's doing. But it's Mm. just so funny to me that he gets it so wrong every single time because, like, (laughs) he doesn't know how to be a real person. Yeah, What he has learned. I I have to hold... I, I, whatchamacallit, I, 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 I have to hold off on saying that he's got anything wrong until he's out of power mm. because, it, like, he's the prime minister. Clearly, whatever yeah. he's done has got him there. Like, mm. he's, he's a dickhead, but he's obviously at least some degree effective in what he does. Like, he's, he's, he's better at marketing than I am. You know, he's, <laughs> gotten, he's gotten it wrong so far as he was fired from Tourism New Zealand. He, like, apparently ballsed up Tourism Australia. And when he does these photo shoots, the press go, he fuck, this is fucked. He fucked it up. And people like us go, what a fuckhead. This is dumb. But yeah, you're right in that at some point in this entire process, he has failed upwards. So he's at least not fucked it up so badly that he's tanked his career. Right. That's sure. what I mean. It's like failing upwards is... That's success, right? <laughs> like, if if yeah. if you if you do a major fuck up and end up in a better position, like that that requires some dexterity, you know. We're that- conflating his personal success with his success at his job, which I don't think should be. I mean, I considered. think that's the that's the issue that's worth talking about is the fact that for Scott Morrison, personal success is the only thing that he cares yeah. about. That's mm. his only goal. Yeah. The 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 sort of the fact that he's ended up in a very very powerful position in Australia is a, a tragedy for the nation, but mm. a, a, a boon for Scott Morrison. So his failures, like we pay for them, and mm. and he, I mean, literally. he does, we we pay him for them. Mm. Is the yeah, <laughs> um, and I think. He certainly has learned since the last disaster. He's learned that he just can't improvise empathy on the spot. He's really mm. got to get get that photo op happening. Uh, script that empathy. The idea that he, <laughs> he was saying that he, he wasn't telling the media about where he was going because he didn't want to turn it into a photo opportunity, but he was bringing his personal photographer along. It's so just, oh God, this guy, this fucking guy. He didn't want to turn this photo opportunity into a news story. Yeah, I didn't. I, d- I just. I don't want to risk turning this photo opportunity into a town hall. You know. So. <laughs> but like, yeah, it, 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 he must have known surely that that would turn it into a story about how he was dodging the media and he looks yeah. like a coward. So the the calculation would have been, yes, they will fucking skewer me for this. But fuck, it'd be so much worse if they catch up yeah. to me, ask questions, if I oh, yeah. get totally caught out by this. So I have to scurry away into my little fucking spider hole. I. I would have thought that they would have at least thrown some mud onto him before they took the photos. As instead of this, like, the crisp <laughs> white shirt motherfucker just being like, I'm clean. Are you saying, like, a Matt Canavan situation? Yes. Where, like, they just rub some yeah. coal on his face. <laughs> they wouldn't have smeared it on his face, obviously. They're not that bad. But across his shirt or whatever, just, like, or just, like, give him some gum boots and mud up the bottom. Even put it on his shoes. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yes. Gum, like, uh. mud up his shoes a little bit. But, no, he's in a pr- almost clean gymnasium being like, well, at least it's not a fucking welder. <laughs> that just reminded me of, like, um, the thing, the picture that Daniel Andrews took in Australia Day of, like, him in front of a barbecue where the meat was clearly already grilled <laughs> and, like, didn't have any grill marks on it. But, like, at least it made the bare minimum effort to show that the meat was cooked. Like, even in this one, they couldn't splash some, like, dirt onto Scott Morrison's feet. Like, come on, put a little bit of effort into it. I'm looking at this photo of Scott Morrison. I've got to (laughs) say, the meat looks pretty cooked to me. (laughs) Oh, oh, we're coming up to the top of the hour. This is 97.3 Drive Time. (laughs) Crossing Lang now to the weather. How's the weather, Lang? So... 
Back to system thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I want one weather reporter to do that once. That would be sick. Look, uh, I could talk about the weather all day, Mitch, but we all know this is really about systems. This is about economic and political systems. Um, no, but you have given me an opening. Because um, we've been talking about friggin' that the, the big bureaucracies don't work and, and little communities do work and are effective and that the government's dumb. And you might be like, ah, are you guys advocating for anarchy? Are you advocating to get rid of the structures that bind us into countries? Um, <laughs> No. And some of them, yes. Uh, some structures, like Scott Morrison's house, and, and <laughs> I will happily get rid of. But but here's the real friggin' catch: is that you can't just function in tiny communities anymore because the world is a complicated place. And sure, yeah. the community of Lismore can band together and organise flood response better than the ADF can, but they can't band together and organise vaccine research or climate science, or the internet, or anything like that, because that's shit that requires experts and big groups of people working together. And that's why we do need some sort of government. You need some sort of, like, trusted experts and authority of... Not, not, not like, cop authority necessarily, but authority like, hey, everybody, it's a good idea to get the vaccine. Hey, everybody... Here's how you read and write. Somebody who knows what they're talking about. So you've got to have someone who knows what they're talking about and someone we trust to know who they're talking about. Yeah. Someone yeah. who can say the speed limit is 100 kilometers an hour. I'm sorry, that's just the rules. Yeah. Someone who can just get everybody together and be like, look, can we stop driving so fucking crazy fast around the corner? People keep getting hit. Obviously, everyone thinks that's really horrible. But if you don't have that, or if you don't have that in a way that can be trusted right now, then you've got a big problem. And and so that's the problem. How do we make a government that can guys, pod question. Yeah. How do we how do we make a government that helps everyone and yet is not corrupt? Um oh, I was about to say end corruption, but yeah, no, yeah, not question yeah. for the listener. Fuck. It, yeah. it always it brings me back to thinking just about like you know, over the last two years we've had a lot of fun poking like, fun at <laughs> like conspiracy theorists and anti vaxxers and that sort of thing. But fun. these we've had some fun. Um, but these things don't happen in a vacuum. They happen when these systems, as you mentioned, Lang, they break down and we don't trust those larger authorities mm. to disperse that information into our communities. If we don't trust them, this is how misinformation starts because if you don't trust that and if you don't trust you know, a larger government to help you in your time of need, mm. that's, that's exactly it. That's exactly how these sort of movements start. You say breakdown, and I just want to be super clear here that I reckon in large part it's breaking down because it's been corroded and it's been eroded by corruption on the inside of it. Yeah, it's been dismantled. Sabotage more than breakdown, am I right? (laughs) There's a a thing that I'm thinking about where it's like I I am uh, on sort of first name basis with uh, a a lot of the little, you know, cafes and stuff in in, in my area because I I like to go for a walk and and get a little, (laughs) you know, a little coffee. And that was really, I don't know, 80, 90% of my social interaction for the last two years. (laughs) (laughs) Just, uh, and and these are sort of some of the local cafes, uh, the the people working there were a little bit like vaccine hesitant. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had numerous conversations where they would be like, oh, you know, hi, it's it's Tom. How you doing? Oh, I was just thinking about like, we've got to get these vaccines and I don't know whether to vaccinate my, you know, like teenage daughter or should I get it for blah, blah, blah. And I know how vaccines work they knew that i'm a you know smart cookie they they you know just had this chat while we just you mm. know conducted the transaction where i said you know it, it's it's safe here are what the risks are here are the risks of not getting it here's how a vaccine works if you need to know that they went and vaccinated their kids and, and told me about it afterwards it was it was really really yeah. great that's just like i'm a member of the community i can have a conversation with somebody in my community i'm somebody that they trust to that degree, I'm an authority. I'm not somebody who comes in and I'm like, you have to get vaccinated because I told you. It's, I can tell you about vaccinations because mm. you know me and you know that I'm somebody who isn't going to bullshit you to, to you know, like, yeah. advance my own agenda. You're not the same person trying to fuck up their Centrelink payments or something, right. which yes. the government does. 
we yeah. don't have that in our electoral system. Like, even at the local government level, even at the council level, which is the sort of smallest level of representation that we have, one council member represents thousands and thousands and thousands of people. There's mm. no way that that's real representation because mm. they don't have any kind of relationship with the vast majority of their constituents. Mm. I, 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 like, I don't really know what the sort of structure that replaces that is, maybe some sort of like fractal council, uh, but... Yeah, I, I, that's that's just sort of where where my head's at with with that is if you know the people that you're supposedly representing, you can have those conversations. The idea of like having to have somebody who just must be obeyed isn't relevant because you can just say like, oh, let's ask so and so about this because they know about that. Let's ask so and so about this because they know about that. I only know about vaccines because there was a coordinated effort to distribute that information. Like, the, the, both of those levels do need to exist. Yeah. Yeah, I think the main thing is that they don't. it doesn't need to be a replacement. There needs to be supplemental communities. The fucking sports clubs help with this. Like, yeah. this, is a, th- this is a whole thing in that, like, we don't need councils all the way down. We do need councils at the level of that representation of thousands of people. But we need to supplement that with fucking small communities and community groups. And those community groups can have a nominal leader who makes decisions for them. But that's a decision for the 50 people that like playing cricket on a Sunday near my house. Like, that sort of shit is good. And the problem comes when we atomize to a point where it's just us and Scott Morrison. Like, And that's a risk. I think it's also the problem comes when that trust is eroded, right? Like, at the moment, there's very, very little trust because we have had... For just years and years and years and years and years, it's really entrenched corruption. Like it, it's Australia is all of our governments are super, super, super corrupt. Uh, that that's I don't even think that's a controversial thing to say mm. to to annoy me no, these they, days. They yeah. at least all have corrupt things happen around them. If you have to get technical, <laughs> right? Which is is like. We can't have that sort of structure of trust between people and the people who are representing them at the sort of largest sort of scale of coordination because the culture at that larger scale of coordination is one of people trying to get their own, people trying to advance their agendas, people not interested in actually performing that job. That's that, that's why I think corruption is so horrible. It's not because, oh, you know, he got into government and he used it to get wealthy, mm. and he got money that he didn't deserve. That's bad. Like, sure, that's bad. But he got money that he didn't deserve, and in so doing, made it so that we as a society can't just broadcast a message to tell people to vaccinate their children and have that message be trusted. I think people need to be corrupt to get into government. Doing right. the kind of high-level <laughs> politicking that gets you into a position of power requires basically corruption. Yeah, I mean, that's where I I come from with corruption is just that that kind of corrupt behavior, using your office to to, to extract money like dishonestly or money or power or whatever dishonestly, the the cost of doing that is so corrosive to society. Like Mm. it's the most fundamental betrayal. It it makes a a functioning society impossible. I, I think that. Oh, it's. I think that it's fucked, guys. Uh. <laughs> I disapprove of it. I just keep on coming back to, you know, I, I think that that governments, both at a state and a federal level, fundamentally misunderstand the importance of local community. Even mm. so far, not just as like natural disasters, but even like. I look at like how they react to us not wanting to go back into the office full time and into mm. the CBD, and they're like the whole thing is like you know you want to go back into the office, the CBD really needs you, blah blah blah, and it's like I've actually spent in the absence of community that I've gotten from work or from commuting, mm. my last two years has been much like McLean. Um, you know, getting to know my local community because I've been stuck in my fucking five-kilometre radius. Um, <laughs> but State-imposed been- community building. <laughs> Forced community building. But also I, I, I treasure that. I treasure mm. the fact that, you know, that I've, I've gotten to know people in my community so well and that we can support each other and that I know my neighbours in this way. And it makes me even more reluctant to sort of 
stop doing that, like, you know, on a daily basis. Mm. I like yeah. being able to go out for lunch and just go down to the shops and get my nice little sandwich. I don't want to go into the city and, like, you know, spend a total of two hours commuting and then spend, like, $30 on lunch. I, All I right, want to back be in your cage. Back <laughs> in your cage, Evie. I just it, – it's such a misunderstanding of what makes a good life. Yeah. 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 It's also and- like I mean this is just a like a weird little like you and I have both described just being on first name basis with the local hospitality staff as being a member of the community. Like it's mm. it's it's not really that that's the sort of like sh- one of the shallowest possible relationships that you can have generally speaking, but I I think that the sort of socialization that we've gone through has meant that even the sort of that glimpse of it is like, oh, that's really special. That's something else. Fuck, I got to get out more, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that is that is Yes, that is the shallowest level of community, but that's because it is the first step of the ladder. You Mm -hmm. can't have a community if you don't know people's names. And then if you were to hang out, because it takes time, it takes relationships. Human relationships are incredibly complicated. This is the whole reason humans are weird like we are. We have a brain which is really overbuilt for doing basic monkey foraging. (laughs) Um, You don't need to be smart to be able to live off fruit and rats in the savannah because every other animal is out there doing it just fine. The reason we have <laughs> this dumb as shit. They're dumb as shit. You ever see a capybara? No brains, only vibes. The reason we have this complicated brain that can handle complex systems and maths and abstract thought is because it's designed to handle the the computational power of a hundred interlocking relationships at once. Yeah. Um And every single person in your community, you have to know how they relate to the other peoples in your community. And you have to be able to keep up with gossip. And you have to know who's single. And you have to know who doesn't like you. Because if you fuck that up, you're exiled and eaten by wolves. Like, this is the fundamental... the Those dumb as fuck wolves. (laughs) This is the fun... Because the wolves have a much simpler community. So, they don't need as big a brain as us. But still a bit. More than a capybara. Even, like, going back as well. Like, I know, like, I need to get out more but also I have been getting out more in the last like couple of weeks I've been like speed running as many social engagements as I can in the Mm. next like two months but also like it's so much more valuable like it's always a value to me I'm an I'm a very outgoing person and and I've like you know had quite a hard time not being able to do that in lockdown oh I've suffered terribly it's so so valuable to me to be able to do these things now but they it, it not to sound corny but it means so much more to have those kind of things now and to have, like, you know, my friends within close distance that, mm-hmm. you know, if someone's having a hard time, we can organise lunch or we can, like, you know, just do something. We can go for a walk. And just, like, mm. that's that's it. That's, all, like, I keep on coming back to this, but fucking, like, it's all we have, isn't it? It is literally yep. all we have and it's all we are. Um, oh, we've gone so big picture. I love it. <laughs> Just gotta, just you just you just gotta sit down and think. When a bunch of polyps get together, they can yeah. form a jellyfish. Oh. And when eight hundred kilograms of jellyfish get together, oh. they can take out a nuclear submarine. Yeah, <laughs> be a polyp. <laughs> Actions this week: go talk to your fucking neighbour. Do it. Mm. I fucking oh, yeah. challenge anyone listening to this in an apartment building. McLean, you can speak to this. It might be a bit more challenging to just knock on someone's door in an apartment. Uh, I, but like, if you- <laughs> I got to wait till they're in the elevator, man. Yeah, like, yeah, I can't yeah. Do it. No, you, you, yeah, you just can't just knock on the door and be like, "Hello, I you live in an apartment in with yeah. you." But no, like, if if you can, if you see them, don't just do that fucking smile where your cheeks like go back into your face a little and you hood and you like look down a little bit. Fucking say hello. Talk to them about fucking anything. How's how's the COVID, eh? Oh, oh, fuck, whatever. What's with the floods? I'll listen to this good podcast. Uh, <laughs> still not good enough? You guys- if they're elderly and you see them out, just fucking ask if you can help them with something. You probably can't. If you see them out already working in the garden, they're probably very fucking capable, like the guy next door who has a luscious garden compared to my piece of shit and just falls <laughs> apart every year. But, like, just... Try to build some small bonds like that because holy fucking shit, we're going to need that over the next two decades. Good Christ, we're going to need it. You're going to need that in your life. Community is not a supplemental thing you do on a Saturday. Community is who you are.
Uh, I also wanted to <laughs> apologize for recommending a book in the last episode. Shout out. <laughs> I know that our podcast <laughs> listeners uh, aren't a fan of that. <laughs> we, got of, we got a little bit of listener feedback. <laughs> um, uh, one of our listeners actually, uh, the, the book that I recommended was uh, Daniel Shirell's Warmth. Uh, a, a listener on Sorry, Twitter it was what? Goes, it was what? Daniel Shirell's Warmth. Okay, sorry, you said that in one word and I did not catch it. <laughs> I, I didn't want to recommend it again. Just for context. Anyway, well, it's out now. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, one of our listeners recommended a podcast episode with the author on it of the podcast Know Your Enemy, which I just listened to yesterday. A phenomenal episode. Uh, uh, just, um, yeah, really, really interesting chat with them. Uh, it also featured uh, the TV producer Dorothy Fortenberry, who uh, came uh, to climate justice from a starting point of religion. I'm not a religious person. She had some really interesting things to say about that. I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes because uh, it was just a just a super good listen with a bunch of good points, uh, which is something that uh, all the listeners here, I'm sure, are very familiar with. Because mm. um, <laughs> they also listen to Know Your Enemy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. If you would like to tell us to shut the fuck up for recommending books, hit us up on all the socials <laughs> at NotGoodPod. <laughs> or even, if you want to, tell us to shut the fuck up for recommending books in an email. NotGoodPod mm. at ProtonMail. Dot com. That takes a lot of effort and I like we will read that for sure. Um, we are obviously, like McLean said as well, very sorry for um, saying, like even just implying that some of our listeners might be big nerds that read. Uh, we all know that you're super cool and too busy being hot to do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but hit us up on the socials and tell us you forgive us. We all know you, you find our podcast just by yelling at Siri. <laughs> <laughs> Not Good Enough was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders and sovereignty was never ceded.